Hey folks, welcome back to the Woofing Possum podcast. As always, it's me, Greg, your host for this episode. This is episode 38, where we're going to be diving into the world of language once again and talking about that word commands that I often hear when working with clients or supporting people online. It's a, it's a word that likes to raise its head fairly often. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to say a huge thanks to all of my listeners um, around the world, which still keeps blowing my mind. I like to do this occasionally. I do just want to kind of give you a, a thanks and a shout out because it absolutely baffles me when I see the the stats and the information about the podcast and where in the world you were listening from. So I've got to do another quick rundown because honestly, I just kind of love it. So, um, big hello and thank you to all the listeners and all the support in the United Kingdom, the United States, Australia, Spain, Canada, New Zealand, Norway, Germany, Netherlands, France, Finland, Sweden, Ireland, Peru, Russia, India, United Arab Emirates, South Africa, Denmark, Lithuania, Argentina, Portugal, Brazil, Colombia, Belgium, and Hungary. Um, uh, yeah, like wow, I just still can't quite get old over that. I'm sure maybe some of those might have been people on holiday, but I'm not sure with COVID. But if you've been in that country, if you are from that country, and you've been listening to the Wolf and Pawson podcast, just a huge, huge thank you. So that's enough of me just gushing because uh, I could do it all day long. Uh, let's dive into the episode number thirty-eight all about language, and this time we are focusing on commands. Okay, so picking up a little bit off the back of the last language-related episode that we did, which was in relation to the word owner, um, I want to pick on the word commands, which is a word I often hear um, in all different contexts when speaking with people about how they communicate and work with their dog on a daily basis. Now, again, a little bit like owner, there's obviously a huge spectrum of use, and I'm still kind of focusing on the far extreme of, of the of kind of the mindset when we use this word. But again, a little bit like the word owner, even when it's used in a, a much more kind of softer, gentle sense, um, for a lot of people, if I was to say that word to them, their interpretation might still be a little bit more of the extreme part of the spectrum which is again another reason why I like to kind of focus on these words and just try and help change the language a little bit because I do believe it does start to chip away our mindsets when we're tackling problems or just generally working with our dogs and wanting to enhance that relationship and enhance that bond. So the word command. Um, Good old kind of dictionary definitions. Um, So I'm going to give you both the verb and the noun definition of the word command. So starting with verb, there's two examples given if I uh, bang this in the good old internet search engine. And the two verbs are give an authoritative or preemptory order. And number two is dominate, in brackets, a strategic position from a superior height. And from a noun perspective, an authoritative order or the ability to use or control something. Now, again, without diving into the uh, into the world of more words with things like order, um, authoritative, use, control. Again, all of these words that are associated with a definition of command, they're, they're still not for me in that vein of how I want to communicate and work with my dog. 
So a lot of people will use the word commands in the sense of it's a sound or a word or something that instructs our dogs to do something. But again, even in its use, um, I'm going to apply a, a real big kind of tarring everybody with one brush type uh, statement here, but obviously I'll hope you'll take it for, for how I mean it. And it's that when people say, I command my dog to do something and I command them to go to bed or I command them to lie down, I give them these commands and they may or may listen to these commands. I can't help but find that the people who use that language, even when they say the words that they're going to say to their dog to solicit that behavior. So if we're going to say that, you know, the down and they say, I'm going to give my dog a command and I say down and my dog will lie down. The way that word is delivered, the body language, the tone, it does tend to be a bit like how it's defined in the uh, in the dictionary there, being very authoritative. It's very kind of down. It's very harsh, very matter of fact, very stern. And then again, um, I'm sure there's lots of reasons why, why we do it. Um, but for me, again, in terms of that relationship, that communication, how we interact with our dogs... I want to tackle it from a different angle. I want to approach situation differently. So I will always use the word cue. I would like to cue my dog to something, kind of tee them up, you know, kind of in, give them that direction, give them that instruction of what it is that I um, would like them to kind of do. Um, and if I pick on Q and if I kind of look at the dictionary of that, so kind of from a noun perspective, it's a thing said or done that serves as a signal to an actor or other performer to enter or begin their speech or performance, or a facility for playing through an audio or video recording very rapidly until a desired starting point is reached. From a verb perspective, to give a Q to or for, or set a piece of audio or video equipment in readiness to play. And again, even those definitions for me, although they might not be 100% transferable to my dog, the language used there, it's, it's about setting something up. It's about trying to kind of get us ready to do something. And that for me is why I love that kind of word cue. I want to effectively set my dog up and ask them to do something. So I will use the word cue a lot with clients. I use it in classes. I, I may actually even use the word ask as well. Uh, I would like to ask my dog to do something. So again, it's more to where they've got choice and that's kind of what I'm looking for and that's why I like to change the language from command to something like cue or ask because I do very much see it as that's exactly what my dog's got. They always have choice. Absolutely, there'll be scenarios where I really want them to make the right choices and I will do lots of training to ensure that that right choice is their go-to kind of action or behavior or whatever it is that we're looking to do. And again, it's this real simple shift from one word to another that very much shifts the mindset. It shifts our approach and it shifts how we look at situations. So do that reflection. If you were talking to someone, would you say that you've taught your dog loads of commands? Or would you say that you maybe you've taught your dog lots of skills or you've taught them lots of cues? And again, just try and put yourself on the other side of the table of how it feels to kind of listen to those words and what it might mean. And again, folks, you know, that word command, the reason, other than the language that we talked about in terms of how what it's defined as, the other issue I kind of draw with that word 
is that it still perpetuates and promotes this hierarchy type relationship between me and the dog and again if you you know the word command you will think of very hierarchical organizations whether that be in a working environment a military environment um you know a kind of teacher student environment but again it's never really in a positive light you know you get commanded to do something they command respect they and again it's it just perpetuates this view that for some reason my dog is lower than me in some kind of um table of hierarchy i, I don't really know how better to word it than that but it is it just kind of perpetuates this view that somehow i am better than my dog and I genuinely don't think I am. And I think that's another reason I really have a hang-up with using that word command. Now, are we different? 100% we're different. Absolutely. Do we serve different purposes? Do we have different skills, different levels of perceived intelligence? Absolutely. And I say perceived intelligence as well because, let's be honest, there's loads of stuff my dog can do that I absolutely can't. I've not got the skills or the intelligence to do that. Um, and therefore, it's different. You know, are we intelligent in the same way? No, we're not. But each animal is absolutely intelligent in their own right. And I think this is something that we've kind of often overlook. And we do, whether that's through just social conditioning, all the stuff we absorb kind of through books and online and listen to people like me on podcasts, is there's a lot of that often subliminal kind of... Um, messaging and, and kind of situation setting where you know our dog is lesser than us and therefore they should obey us and they should listen to these commands and they should do what we tell them and it's for me again it creates the wrong mentality when we are looking to work together because let's be honest if I was in a situation where and I have been I, I was a line manager in multiple kind of FTSE 100 international organizations for a number of years and if I ask somebody to do something, or how about I tell them to do something? Because tell is a little bit more like a command. I command somebody to do something. It's very rare, and I can't say I've ever experienced it, where that person will kind of happily embrace that way of being spoken to by me and will therefore go ahead and do the thing willingly, happily, effectively with a metaphorical happy wag of the tail. Because it erodes an element of respect. Now, don't get me wrong, I know there's some organisations and institutions where, by definition, that hierarchical position carries weight or respect with it, and therefore, again, you are conditioned to respect that level of command. And, rightly or wrongly, I can understand why that's become a thing in those institutions. But we are not in these types of institutions we're in real life and we're we're living with a canine companion that is part of our family this isn't you know one of those institutions that where that level of conditioning is required and that's kind of why it really kind of it's why i struggle with it so much because i'm not there to command my dog to do things i'm not there to tell my dog to do things i've chosen to bring a dog into my family you know, and let's be honest, my dog didn't have a lot of choice in it. So now they're here, and I've spoke about this before, I absolutely see it as, right, now we're a team. We're a family. We've got to work together. And I have to help them in the same way that I hope they will do things that help me. And because I have that 
brain that is more human and is, you know, more stereotypically intelligent in terms of how we often define it. I've brought the dog in this situation. I've made these decisions. And therefore, I very much see it as now I need to help my dog learn those skills and learn these cues to be able to integrate as best as possible so that they can have the best life and I can have the best life with them. So have a think about that. When you're, when you're working with your dog, when you're looking to do something, what word do you naturally use? Is it that, that C word? There you go. Um, is it command? You know, do you command, do you instruct, do you tell your dog to do things or do you ask them, do you cue them, do you set them up to succeed? And that's why it is so powerful. It's why it is one of those words that I do like to focus on because the kind of baggage that comes with it, a bit like the O word, can inadvertently or subliminally kind of direct us in a way that we may or may not consciously wish to go. Now, when we are talking about cues, the reason I love the word cue as well is it isn't always from me. And I think this is where the big shift happens and it's why I love it so much. Because if I use the C word, that command word, there's a kind of an inherent expectation that it's coming from me. The environment doesn't command my dog. Other people in the public may not command my dog. Uh, sound might not command my dog, but I command my dog. And again, it, very, it kind of starts to really stack this very, um, you know, this pyramid style hierarchy in, into place. Whereas for me, cues, it's more generic. There's lots and lots of cues that, I can give to my dog or I can teach my dog or my dog can learn that will help them in life and absolutely some of them might come from me they might be words there might be hand signals visual cues from me as a human to my dog my companion that can help them understand what I would like them to do and they can choose whether to do it or not but there might be environmental or situational cues as well so where my dog can learn lots of different things when they're put together in a certain kind of cocktail, it means to do A, B or C or behave in a certain way. And that can be an incredibly powerful way to help our dogs learn about the world around them. And I can actually use those cues if I'm aware of them and understand them and can kind of analyze them a little bit. I can actually use those to my advantage. And especially if you're working with dogs that may have a more negative or worried kind of emotional response to certain things, for example, other dogs, actually another dog appearing in itself can be a cue. I can use the, you know, the appearance of that other dog in the environment to help my dog make a decision and make a choice and I can help promote right choices. So rather than it being something happens in the environment and then I command my dog to act in a certain way, I can use those things in my environment to cue my dog to do a certain behavior or a certain skill or look to me for you know some guidance that takes a lot of that authority out of the situation. It becomes a lot more fluid, a lot smoother, and as a result becomes a lot more relaxed. Going back to my previous example, kind of I'm in an organization and I have a team of people who I work with and I give them commands and I instruct and I tell them what to do. Again, their, their attitude towards me, rightly so, probably isn't going to be very positive, very willing 
and they're probably going to start to kind of lose an element of respect to me, especially if the way that I deliver those things is very authoritative and very firm and very kind of almost to a point of being condescending. And that's not what I want, not even with people and certainly not with my kind of companion animal, my you know, the dog who's joined my family. I absolutely want our communication to be respectful, to be courteous and for us to work together. And if I always take that very stern, authoritative tone, that could be hard. Some dogs can really struggle with that and actually will actively avoid listening to me because honestly they don't like the way I speak and the way I behave and my body language and all that kind of stuff. So this is a very significant shift that we can give ourselves by just starting to change the use of that word. Dropping the C word with the in sense of commands and picking up a new C word in the sense of cues or asks. And that suddenly shifts how we approach things. Because like us, if you ask somebody to do something and they don't want to do it, you can engage in a conversation, especially if it's someone you know and trust and, and, and like and we've got respect for, you would, can usually engage in a nice bit of dialogue to understand why. Why would you not like to do that thing? What's the reason behind it? And then you can kind of scratch at that surface and because you might be able to do something ever so slightly different that instantly makes that person much more engaged and actually want to do the thing that you may have just asked them to do. And it's no different to our dogs. So if I ask them and they don't want to do it, or if I cue them and they don't want to do it, there is a reason behind that. And it's not stubbornness, guys. It really absolutely isn't stubbornness. There's other reasons that are feeding your dog's desire to not listen or to not kind of take part in the activity that you've just cued or asked them to do. And that should be kind of like a big alarm bell. That should be a big flashing red light to me to then kind of go, okay, why? What's wrong? What's different? Is it, you know, because motivation might be a factor? Is it because the environment is too overwhelming? Is it because, I don't know, you're in pain? If I pick on my Betty Boo, that's probably a classic. It's how I ended up taking her to a physio was because she would always do a certain thing. And that was jump. She would always jump. Um, whether that was onto a platform, into the van, whatever it was, onto the bed, onto the sofa, she would happily jump onto everything. And I would kind of, when she came over the sofa, I would cue her up onto the sofa, and all of a sudden she stopped. Now, did she stop because she was being stubborn? And I'm just going to pause there. Apologies, folks, if you can hear one of my uh, one of my dogs in the background having a, a bit of a grumble. Poor Hugo is... Um, He's struggling a bit at the moment. He's got a spinal issue, and uh, when he's had a bit of exercise, he uh, if he lays in the wrong place, he kind of gets a bit of a dead leg. Um, so I'm just going to pause for a moment, folks, and I'm just going to help him out, and I'll be right back. Okay, folks, I'm back. Apologies for that. I could have happily have edited that out, but I thought it would be prudent to leave it in because there you go. It's, it's me and my dog communicating with each other. So going back to Betty there and her jumping up, if I was queuing that and she wasn't doing it, it allowed me to kind of question why, what was going on, why did she not want to do it? And it turned out it was because she had basically stiff muscles. She needed some help learning how to stretch, learning how to use those muscles a bit better so she was nice and limber and she could go back to doing those things that she previously did and hopefully enjoys doing. So again, it's not because she was being stubborn and ignoring my command, 
it's because I'd asked her and cued her to do something that she didn't want to do and it was because it was ultimately pain related. So now that shift in dynamics, I could have, if with that authoritative mindset, effectively bullied and commanded her into a situation to do it regardless of how she was feeling. But that shift in mindset and using those cues or those asks kind of makes it a little bit more amenable and it opens your mind to understanding those different kind of outlets and those results on why you want to do things. And when they don't work and your dog does not want to kind of take lead with that cue, you can analyse why and not immediately go down this you will do it type route, which I think a lot of us with commands can easily fall into because you just see it quite binary and quite black and white. So folks, commands, it's one of those words I love to get rid of. I like to just effectively look straight past it when I'm talking to clients and I use the word cue and the word ask a lot more. And even if my client continues to use the word command, I will still just continue to use the word cue. And I kind of just always repeat it. I'm not there to tell people how to speak. That's not what this language series is or little mini series is about. But what I'd like to do is just try and help you kind of just look at things from a different perspective and start to think about the words that we use. Because not only does it affect us and our demeanor and how we approach situations, but it also impacts those around us. Whether that's friends and family, small children, other pet professionals, people with companion animals in their life as well it really starts to kind of help perpetuate that shift in change and start to get us more in a much more cooperative teamwork bonded fun energetic way of working together which i think the old command word for me just doesn't quite cut the mustard on okay folks i am going to wrap it up there my little boy hugo needs me right now so i'm going to go give him a little bit of tlc but until the next time, folks, thank you again for listening to the Wuffin Pawson podcast, and I will see you again for episode 39 very soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Wuffin Pawson podcast. As always, if you do want to get in touch, you can find us on social media. I'm at Great Pause NE, which is Great Pause NE for Northeast, on both Facebook and Instagram. You can also contact me via my website, which is greatpaws.co.uk. And you can also consume some free online courses at greatpawsgang.co.uk. Excellent. Thank you very much, folks. And we will see you soon for our next episode.